0: Welcome to a pivotal moment in tennis history, a moment we are living and witnessing right now. Today, we stand on the brink of a revolution, not just in how the game is played, but how it's understood. Five years ago, when we embarked on this project, we anticipated changes, but what's unfolding is far more dramatic and more powerful than we ever imagined. Gone are the days of solely relying on impressionistic methods and the opinions of tennis gurus. We are now in an era where every shot, every point, and every strategic decision is transformed by the unyielding power of data analytics. This isn't just a change, it's a seismic shift that is redefining the very essence of tennis as we know it. As we experience these monumental changes firsthand, we invite you to join us on this groundbreaking journey. Together, let's discover how data analytics is not just influencing, but revolutionizing the world of tennis. So the art of Winning is brought to you by Sterling Struther and Dan Travis. This podcast is dedicated to shedding light on the new era of tennis. It looks at the completely new areas and realms of possibility That this era presents us with. Primarily, we examine the battles that will be fought as the player develops competitive intelligence. We ask you to subscribe to the podcast, both on the channels Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, and subscribe directly to us by visiting www.artofwinningtennis.com. We can help you negotiate your way around this tremendously exciting new era in tennis. welcome to what is the real momentum and this is where we dive deep into the nuances of tennis beyond just the physical game sterling i'm really excited about this because this is it isn't it really for us and it's completely different from what other people are talking about and when it comes to momentum it's because it's new and it's revolutionary the, concept of momentum that you've developed, as I said, it's completely different from what you hear the commentators on the TV talk about when they use the word momentum. And I hope to explore with you the differences between the art of winning concept of momentum, that's our concept of momentum, and that used by traditional tennis culture. And before we get into that, would you take? a little time to explain the story behind your creation of momentum scoring. Sure.
1: So back in 2017, after I wrote my first book, Seven On-Court Strategies, I started to develop a simple pathway to win more matches. And so the first idea that I developed after the book uh, was what I called the GPS system of winning, which is I started with two shots in a row, then two points in a row, and then two games in a row, and so that would be the GPS game point shot. And I would I would draw this on as a bullseye diagram on the clay court for my players. And so in the middle, I would have the number I would have points or sorry, I'd have shots, would be the bullseye, okay? Two consecutive shots would be the bullseye. That would be the main focus. Then another circle around that would be the the points, two consecutive points. And then another circle around that would be the two consecutive games. So I already had players focusing on the first two shots when I developed the first strike point game. But however, I wanted to develop a simple game to see how easy or difficult a simple how easy or difficult it would be to win two consecutive points. And so I called this game Deuces or Wild. And so the idea was that if a player could win two points in a row, they would win the game immediately, and then the serve would rotate to the next player. And so even though this seemed very simple, there was a close battle for every game in the set when we would play it. And so momentum would shift between winning one or two consecutive points, right? So a point, a player would win one point, another player would win another point, and it would just shift back and forth. Then it was interesting when a player won two points consecutively, switched the service almost like the other player would win two points consecutively. So there was a – started to see – Something interesting happening between this battle of two consecutive points. So I decided to call this second consecutive point a momentum point. And I knew that momentum needed to be quantified instead of just interpreting it as a feeling or a subjective position in the match that we would just sort of point out.
0: Okay. So can you explain that? what you consider the link, if any, between points in a game of tennis? So
1: when I decided, I first decided to call winning one point a direction point. And this is the first step in moving in the direction of momentum and then earning your momentum point, two consecutive points. So if you're able to win three consecutive points, it's called a conversion point. And so Actually, this term, conversion, I actually heard this from the great Chuck Creasy, who coached at Clemson University here in the United States. And I heard Chuck explain this idea of a conversion way back in 2012 at a PTR conference down in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And so he talked about this idea that winning three points in a row was like big momentum in a game. And that you would most likely win the game if you won three points in a row. It is interesting, I did a web search on that and I found information about how Chuck would explain that. He actually explained it in his book as well. But when I first heard this, in two, way back in 2012, I just started doing data. Um, when I heard this, my mind began to race around how a player could achieve this idea of winning three consecutive points since it was not very common in a game. So I looked at all the data that I compiled from 2012 to 2017, and I found that the only way to get a chance to win three consecutive points was to focus on winning two consecutive points, a momentum point. And so the link between winning consecutive points is like stacking bricks on top of one another. It produces... A momentum, a kind of weighted situation for you as a player. And so, the more momentum points that you can win, the more chances it gives you to win that third consecutive point. And so, there's a probability associated with it. Is you just have more chances to win three in a row. And so, focusing on linking points consecutively together is how momentum is built during a tennis match. And so, everything is built within a game, point to point. So shots build points and points build games.
0: Well, Sterling, thank you. I think that's, um, that's a very good, accurate and um, insightful introduction there to momentum because I think most, most people listening to this will be listening to the momentum concept for the first time. And you know you've got to spend some time with this idea. Okay, you can't just explain it propositionally, simply because it's not just a thing that appears, a free-floating thing that one player might be blessed with in a match suddenly from up, you know, anointed with momentum. Okay, so I'd like then to progress to the next section. Many people believe every point in tennis is a fresh start, and Sterling... How does this traditional belief compare with the concept that you've developed?
1: So every game is a fresh start, not every point. It sounds really good to say to yourself that every point is a fresh start. However, what you are dismissing when you do that is the legacy link between winning or losing points consecutively. And so, yes, it's true that you want to reset to the present moment and maybe forget the past, especially if you lost the last point. And most players actually don't even try to forget the last point if they want it. They just try to build on that one. And it's typically they go into the next point with an emotionally charged decision to try to race and get that next point first before their opponent does. And so that's really traditional tennis culture thinking. Either push hard to get to the next point or forget completely the fact that you just lost the last point because maybe it was a critical one, especially if the game score was 30-all, a critical moment in the game. However, at The Art of Winning, we've come to understand that it is the momentum score that reveals the win probability percentage starting out with the next point. And that's based on the legacy, what happened on the previous point. And so forgetting the last point you played and starting fresh is really denying the probability of winning or losing the next point. And this has consequences. Mentally and emotionally for every player in how they begin the very next point.
0: Can you explain the concept of momentum scoring and how it differs from, say, the traditional game score and or the traditional approach in tennis and that being the game score?
1: Okay, so the momentum scoring system is based on the actual margin of separation in points. Between two players, it's based on winning or losing consecutive points. And so the momentum score is never tied like the game score perceives itself to be. You're either plus or minus one. So you've won or lost the last point, plus or minus two, or plus or minus three. And so the momentum score resets to zero after winning or losing three consecutive points. There's a reason for that, and we go into that in other podcasts, or we go into it in the book as well. So check that out. But the traditional game score is a fabrication of reality. It's a distorted and inflated score. It really has no basis in reality at all. And not only that, it's crazy. It changes from a numerical scoring to sort of this grammatical scoring once the score arrives at 40 all. We start to call scores the score to be deuce or advantage, and so a player should only use the game score as a place marker for the position with respect to winning the game, right? Because you you don't you don't, we can't get a, get away from the game score. That's a part of the the way the tennis is is structured, right? But the momentum score is the score that you base all your decisions as to how you're going to play the next point, whether it be playing patterns that your opponent likes the least or playing patterns that maybe you like the most. And so that's really the beginning process. But there's much more, as we've talked about this in previous podcasts, about how to make decisions based on whether you want or last the point. And we wrote about this also in the new book, The Art of Winning
0: Tennis. Yeah, I mean, could we, Sterling, just have a point-by-point description from you using momentum score. Can you just talk me through a game?
1: Okay, really briefly. So let's say we start the game and you are serving. So you win the first point Mm -hmm. and the game score is 15, love. You're up. But the momentum score is plus one for you. It's minus one for me. Yes. if you are stepping up on the ad side to play 15 love, but you're at plus one, your decisions are going to be made based on your ability or your probability of winning the second point in a row, the two consecutive points, and earn a momentum point. For me, I'm trying to stop your momentum. I'm trying to stop you or cease you from winning a momentum point. So I'm at minus one. So my decisions returning from ad are going to be based on maybe a a first strike pattern that I believe that you may not like as much or maybe and maybe I have to assume this because it's the beginning of the match. So I'm trying to get to plus one. So I'm trying to go from minus one to plus one and you're trying to go from plus one to plus two. So if let's say I win that point, I go from minus one to plus one and the game score switches to 15 off. So now I'm going to make my next decision based on my plus one momentum position at 15 all, I'm I'm returning on deuce, and you're making your decisions based on minus one, 15 all. And so you can see how the game score appears, it appears that we're tied according to the game score, 15 all, but actually there are different momentum probabilities here based on your minus one, I'm plus one. So it's not a 50-50 split. If you're at minus one, you actually start out with a 60% chance of winning the next point. I have a 40% chance of winning the next point because I'm at plus one. So it's a 60-40 split. Now we can negotiate our percentages up and down, and they will negotiate up and down based on how we play our next first strike sequence, the first two shots that each of us hit. We can sort of jockey for position there in the shot momentum, so there's shot momentum where maybe you hit a big serve. Uh, that's shot momentum for you, and yes. I have to defend I have to defend the return. so basically, just on that those two shots, one from you and one from me, we kind of maintain our 60 40 there, and then maybe I put you in a- def- I, I hit a good defensive return. And you're just quite not ready for it. So you kind of hit me sort of a rally ball, but I see it as an opportunity to kind of hit a aggressive shot. Yes. So now I've, I've shifted my probability up to 50, maybe 50 50, right? So this is how you can negotiate this momentum probability as you move from shot to shot. Now it's not something you're actively thinking about when you're doing it. It is something that when you rehearse it in practice, you can talk. You can stop and talk through, like how the momentum shifted from shot to shot, and how did that affect your point momentum? But that's the importance of rehearsing, playing with the momentum score, like in your in your head, right, and making those decisions based on momentum scoring, not just fifteen all or the game score.
0: Just a, a point that I've got: um, the normal or traditional scoring. In a game, 15, fifteen, thirty, etc., is the same for both players, but the momentum score is different for both players. Correct. That's um, that. I think that's, that, that's one way of understanding it uh, from the outset. Yes. Um, you know, it can't. You know, you, it can't be the same because people often, sometimes, when they when they start momentum scoring um, on the practice court, is they go, "Well, isn't it one all? <laughs> Right. Obviously, that's understandable, but you can see, and, and the switch happens very quickly when they understand it simultaneously plus one and minus one at the same time.
1: Right. Because it's based on the consecutive win or losing, right? It's based mm-hmm. on consecutively winning and losing, right? So if, if I've won one point, you know, consecutively won one point, right? You've, you, you in turn simultaneously have lost one point consecutively, right? And so that's how you get you get the opposites and the difference
0: there between our scores. And it's quickly adopted, I think, in, yes. in people's consciousness and they understand it rapidly because yes. it, it, you know, it, it makes sense. And so I'd like then to move to the next section, which is I've called it the, the impact of legacy and momentum on play. In the book, you talk about two types of legacy that players carry from point to point. Could you delve into these um, and their impact on the next point that's being played?
1: Okay, great. So the two types of legacy are emotionally charged legacy and momentum legacy. And so emotionally charged legacy is made up of both positive and negative drama. So you'd like to avoid being becoming too positive or too negative because that would be the dramatic. So having a po- having positive and negative feelings is really nat- a natural part of being human and you're going to have those as you play points. But what you want to avoid is those positive and negative emotions becoming fully charged with emotion which that's going to cloud your judgment and inevitably affect your decision. So allowing yourself to become fully charged with emotion, you're going to develop a narrative about the game you are playing from point to point. And this is almost always a fiction. It's a fabrication of reality. And so sadly, when you come into the next point with this starting a point afresh approach, you are carrying this imagined or make-believe narrative with you into the next point. Now, contrast that with momentum legacy. Momentum legacy is the opposite of emotionally charged legacy. In fact, I would actually attempt to, to persuade you today that it's the antidote to, the, to a fabricated and fictitious narrative. Momentum legacy is based on the momentum score. Whether you have won or lost the last point or two points or three points. And so understanding your momentum position in the game is based on consecutive points won or lost, that's going to focus you on the probability of winning the next point. And you can plan your strategy based on this quantitative chance instead of a positive or negatively charged emotional response to that last point that you played.
0: Why is mastering legacy so important and how does momentum scoring help?
1: So Dan, mastering legacy by using the momentum scoring system is the counter agent or the remedy of your perception becoming distorted by this illusion that you make up in your own head about what could or should happen next. And so your perception, it consists of your opinions about how the match has progressed so far and or and how you may believe it may end. And so when you're in this state of mind, this is emotionally, this is an emotionally charged attitude. And you think the probability of bad outcomes are actually higher than they really are, right? So there's no illusion or distorted perception with the momentum legacy. It simply recognizes what happened on the previous point. You either won the point or you lost the point. And so the momentum position you're in is either plus or minus, right? You're either up one, two, or three points consecutively, or you're down one, two, or three points consecutively. It has nothing to do with positive or negative. I mean, we use the plus and the minus, but it really has to do with how many points have you lost consecutively. So when you are filtering the probability of outcome based on the decisions that you make next, this is what you do with momentum scoring, right? It's less about the emotion And more about the intellectual response to the probability of either sustaining momentum, or your own momentum, that is, or you're trying to stop the momentum of your opponent.
0: Sterling, that's um, that's a fascinating account of this concept of legacy between points. And it's a very important one as you start to develop competitive intelligence. And it's a key key, uh, point in that in on that um, on the way to establishing competitive intelligence so i want now to look into this next section on the other side of the momentum wheel if you like the other so- the other side of the coin and that's with pro- probability and decision making because as you argue probability should be or an understanding of what's going to happen based on based on the past, which is what probability is, um, on decision-making of the next point. So I want to ask you, how does understanding the probabilities associated with momentum influence decision-making on the court?
1: So if we go back to competitive intelligence, and we defined this on the last podcast, it's the ability to acquire as well as apply knowledge and skills. So at The Art of Winning, this actually includes acquiring a diagnosing error from match data analytics. Mm -hmm. So without data from your previous match, it's impossible to develop effective strategies to utilize this momentum because nothing has been charted. Point rally length, consecutive points won and lost, the identification of error location within a point. You know, when you acquire knowledge by looking at your data, you can then determine when you and and you're determining as you're looking at the data, you're determining in that match when you are winning and losing consecutive points, what the rally length was for those points, you can begin to see a clearer picture of the momentum legacy. And so looking at, at the data does not require emotional energy. It is a cognitive process to analyze data and determine patterns within the data from shot to shot and point to point. And so you can then return back to the practice court and begin rehearsing your patterns based on where in the point errors are are occurring more frequently, as well as when the momentum score was plus or minus for you in the game. (laughs) Following on
0: from that, how can players apply momentum and probability thinking during practice to improve their game performance?
1: So one of the things that we develop here at the Art of Winning are the competitive intelligence games. And so the CI games, certain all the games have to do with momentum, whether you're playing, whether you're rehearsing shot momentum, so you're trying to Build two shots at a time, or you're doing, or you're working on point momentum, trying to win two points consecutively, and maybe get a third. Right. So we have games like tsunami. So if you win the first two points, you win the a game, one game, and then you have to play the third point. And if you can win that third point consecutively, you get a bonus game. So you you basically go up in the set two games to zero, and then you switch the the serve. Now, what's interesting about Tsunami, we call that a tsunami. We say, you got Tsunami, you know, because I won three points yeah. in a row. So the, what's interesting about that is if you are the player that wins the momentum point, two consecutive points, and you, you win one game, you play that third point, And let's say you lose that third point. You were not able to win three in a row, but the other player kind of stole away your conversion point. So you keep that one game because you, you won it by winning two points in a row, But the serve switches and the next player serving your opponent, they start the next game up one zero or plus one in the momentum score. And now if they win that point, the next point, they they win two in a row. Now it's the the set scores tied at one R one all. You play the consec the third consecutive point. And let's say that player wins the third consecutive point. Now they're up two one and the serve switches again. So it's a very fluid game. Every point has, has this sort of weightiness to it. It's important in the fact that you are trying to achieve momentum or sustain momentum or either stop momentum. And it's, that's reflected in the set score. So, Tsunami is a great game to apply on the practice court. And even while you're playing Tsunami, if you have worked with players on, okay, what patterns, what first strike patterns, are you trying to develop and be more consistent and accurate at? They, those players can be working on their first strike patterns, survey re- return patterns while they're playing tsunami. And so they start to see the effectiveness of their patterns and how that affects their momentum position. And so this is, this is why we call it the art of winning. There's a science to winning, but then there's an art and you've got to rehearse this, these types of scenarios. And it's, you're, you're not just rehearsing, you know, purely technical skill here. You're rehearsing how you're interpreting mentally and emotionally what's happening with momentum. And it's quantified by the momentum score. And so it's not just something that's floating out there as a concept momentum. It's, and it's not just based on, Oh, it was, it was the break point at four, two, right? I mean, of course, if you win that point, you're going to go up five two and you have the momentum but that's that's a totally you know kind of that's a very vague way to sort of look at momentum. We're trying to really dive into how momentum builds in each game throughout the set, point to point, and how does that in, how does that end up affecting or what does it look like at the end of a match because we do have we do have something at the Art of Winning we developed called the momentum flow chart where we actually chart the points and it looks like a graph. It's really cool. You, I have it on my website at Transform Practice Corps, but we have it at the Art of Winning Tennis website as well. But And even we have one in the book, right? Where we put one in the book. So you can see how momentum went up and down. and And then we kind of make a circle for momentum points and make a triangle for conversion points on the graph. So you can tell where the momentum points and conversion points were won throughout the games. And that's a great visual to have to develop for a player. Now, there's no way you can develop a momentum flow chart unless you have data. And so it, this all goes back to, to this concept of getting your
0: data or have someone map
1: your data for you.
0: When you first experience the momentum chart and you first do it and you learn how to do it, it's a really good tool. It's, uh yeah it literally allows you to read a match in a in a completely different way. And that brings me then onto the our uh, final section today where I want to look at momentum probability and competitive intelligence. So what role does competitive intelligence play in utilizing momentum and probability strategies effectively?
1: So like I was saying before, you know, the, the whole becoming competitively intelligent is this ability to acquire knowledge and skills, right? And so without the data from your previous match or even data from your practice, it's really difficult to utilize momentum and understand how it's moving from point to point or even shot to shot because, you know, first strike point game, first strike power play, first strike patterns. These are all shot momentum games. So you learn how momentum shifts from shot to shot. And we're going to do future podcasts and really dive into this idea of shot matching, which is a concept that I learned from Chuck Tomlin with the Concurrent tennis method down in Atlanta, Georgia. His shot matching sort of concept works perfectly with the shot momentum games and developing, learning how to develop momentum shot to shot. So, we are going to do some podcasts on that, and it's going to be pretty amazing. Hopefully, we get Chuck on the line too and talk about that. But, um, you know, this idea of returning to the practice court you can rehearse these patterns and know how points are flowing, you know, whether you're, the patterns are effective. And that's the competitive intelligence. And you're going to start to understand which patterns give you a higher probability of winning the next point and which ones are deterring you or keeping you from winning consecutive points.
0: Your concept of momentum is completely new. Absolutely no one is talking about it in the way that you do. Not, I don't think, even close. To me, this provokes two questions. First, I think we need to answer that why does traditional tennis culture why has it not produced such a concept? That's my first question. And my second question is, what impact will this have on tennis as a sport?
1: Well, I hope that talking more about momentum in this way will actually improve over time and continue to, uh, lack of better words, catch momentum, <laughs> you know, start this yeah. idea of... Harvest. because. I, uh, yeah start this idea of talking about this in this way because i've seen firsthand uh the past 12 13 years how this is a game changing concept yeah. that can transform a player completely i mean i've seen junior players that i've worked with they come to me with they're very emotionally unstable and they go from this state to this state of being calm intelligent, and very precise players. And so I do believe that traditional tennis culture, and I was a part of this firsthand, but I sort of had this Saul to Paul experience, right? This transformation. I do believe that the traditional tennis culture focuses on the technical part of the game at the expense of the psychological or mental emotional part of the game. I think dramatic shots and long rallies are replayed on the memes and post-match shows and interviews and when you look on YouTube they're only highlighting like the most dramatic points. And so look, tennis is a technical game, okay? It demands a certain level of coordination even starting out and even if you if you don't have that coordination then you're going to learn really quickly. You're probably going to want to start developing that coordination, balance, coordination, uh, and stability. So it requires this repetitive skill acquisition, right? There, You've got to repeat something long enough to acquire a skill like this. It takes time to rehearse shots and patterns. At the same time, you're doing this as a coach to a player You Or or even you're just as a player to player, if you're just working, you know, work rehearsing this with another player, you've got to introduce and develop tactical reasons why you play a certain technical shot. I mean, as coaches, we can get caught up in how the shot is hit by our player. I mean, I still have to fight this temptation to a degree, especially working with players that want to play at a very high level collegiate d1 even maybe beyond that right and so there's a certain level of preciseness and accurate uh skill a uh, skill requirement to play at those high levels so but at the same time right as we get caught up in how the shot the shot is hit we're, we get caught up qualitatively and quantitatively on a particular shot we must Build competitive intelligence at the same time we build these fantastic shots with our players so that they, the player can understand how to negotiate their emotional response to the shot they're rehearsing. Because as a coach, I don't have an emotional attachment to the shot that's being performed by the player in front of me, like the player themselves. Yes. Right, And especially young people. I mean, young people are much more volatile to their emotions and you see it in professional players that didn't develop it earlier on in their young junior career. Right there. They still have to struggle with that as well. So we've got to if we ignore the emotional response by our players when they are developing shots, we ignore the very essence of play. We aren't playing anymore of the game, right? We're working at the game and there's a difference in playing the game and working at your game. Like working at something can be become very boring. It's a like this robotic type of practicing a skill without the nature of how we develop a strategic mind when we do play a shot over the net and in the court, right? So we want to. We want to remember why we are playing the game. I mean, this is a critical piece of this intricate puzzle of how we play tennis, right? What we remember about how and why we played the last point, the last game, or even the last match is going to determine how and why we play the next time, right? So the decisions about what skills to practice. And what patterns to rehearse will be determined by either an emotionally, res- an emotional response or an analytical response. Momentum probability, the types of patterns and shot selection on a particular point in a game are the actions that we can analyze intelligently without emotion when we look at data then our emotions can respond to the logical reason of our decisions instead of the other way around. So as a coach, I have to decide how my players are going to learn this game. Will it be a frustrating journey that's driven by distorted emotions? Or will it be a journey driven to make the best decisions possible At any given time, and enjoy the process of growing and expanding your mental and emotional
0: intelligence. Thank you. So, as we wrap up, Sterling, could you share perhaps your final thoughts on how players can shift their mindset to embrace momentum and probability thinking for a competitive advantage?
1: So, I think the first step is to have someone a parent, a coach, a friend to map one of your matches and use the art of winning match charts and start analyzing your data. Look at the rally length of each point in the game. Look at the momentum score. Reflect on the patterns that you are rehearsing in practice. And are those the ones that you are activating in your matches? So, embracing momentum probability is not difficult i mean you you have to keep track of your consecutive points won or lost to know where you are in the game and how to use that knowledge into developing patterns that improve your competitive advantage so we at the art of winning can definitely help you get started and we can walk with you on this just incredible journey towards playing and feeling your best when you're competing going forward in your matches.
0: Stunning. It's been fascinating to talk to you about the subject, which you are quite clearly a global leader. And I don't mean that, you know, in in any other way. But, you know, that's true. That's true. You you are a global leader in this. And it has done and is about to have, I think, the biggest impact on tennis ever. And I can't wait to see the impact this theory is gonna have on the game over the coming months and years. Um so thank you very much. I don't exaggerate in case you're, thank you, Dan. In case I, you're
1: I appreciate it. It's it's yeah. been it's been a fun journey for me. And um sometimes, you know, a lot of this, you know, I've worked on just for me, you know, being a better coach, trying to become a better influencer to those who want to learn and really enjoy this game.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's the term, better. <laughs> it's, that's what it's about. That's what coaching is about, getting better, better as a coach, better, coaching, coaching better in a better way and creating better results and better players. And it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with momentum. Our journey, with your journey with the arts of winning can continue in numerous forms and formats. So we have obviously the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast in one of its many forms, uh, Apple, Spotify, and so on. I think we're out on Amazon now too, which is great. So do that, and then you'll have this in your inbox every week, every Wednesday. We have, of course, the book, and the book is being a big hit at the moment. It's flying off the shelves, literally. The paperback is actually proving the most popular, which is a bit of a, a bit of a surprise for us. But we've also got it in audio format. And if you drop us an email, we do have a limited amount of uh, free codes for you that you can use. Um, should you have lucky enough to to have Audible, I'm getting some good feedback about about the Audible book. People are liking it because they can listen to it to it in the car. Um, it's something that, that, that's very very uh, usable, um, still, still low. It's the book that's winning, and we will be having a complete, um, a complete launch again of the of the course that we've been working on. Okay, this is going to take everything to completely new level, and we are having classes. We're having classes in our own own, own town, in our own cities, respectively. So, aren't we, Sterling? Um, yes, yeah, definitely. That's something that that's really exciting this year, those classes are certainly filling up for me in um, sunny, if slightly chilly, Brighton. Uh, I think that it's the same for you, isn't it? Sterling, you're getting in. Um,
1: it is, it's, it is,
0: for you're, sure. You're getting those classes in, and, I, and please contact us. We can help you. And yes, we can do doubles. <laughs> slightly different. <laughs> but that's the question I'm getting a lot more. Do you, and look, I get the singles thing, but can you, can you help me with your doubles? I think we can stretch to that, can't we, Sterling?
1: Absolutely. It applies even
0: more so, I think. I think, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's concentrated on winning momentum. uh, Um,
1: Since you mentioned doubles, I do want to sort of plug this one. Um, I was actually on Will Boczecki's, uh, podcast called Doubles Only. So if you love to listen to doubles podcasts, you want to hear what I had to say about doubles on Will's broadcast. He asked me about the book, and then we talked a little bit about doubles. Check that out. Uh, doubles only is the podcast. It's Will Boucheras. I think you spell his name B O U C E K. So check that out.
0: Can't wait. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, and if you're a doubles player, that, if you're a doubles player and you want to improve, that's the first thing that you should do now. <laughs> Go and check that one out. Sterling, it's been great to talk to you again. I look forward to talking to you next week once more um, on another competitive intelligence art of winning theme. So thank you very much and enjoy your day.